I'm ready too. I'm excited about today. Let's pray and ask God to bless it. Lord Jesus, I pray in the name of everything that you are. I lift the name of Christ, the name of Jesus Christ that you have raised from the dead and you have, you have given to us power that we don't realize that we have. Lord God, you have given us victory that we cannot possibly imagine and that we continually fail to take advantage of on a regular and daily and even minute by minute basis. I pray right now in the name of Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would come in a mighty way, that you would open our eyes to truths that maybe we have not been believing. God, that you would open our eyes to some doctrines and some theologies that would affect us in such a way that we would be amazingly powerful, not in and of ourselves, but because we have better understanding, which leads to wisdom, which leads to the filling of the Holy Spirit and the overcoming of sin and the growth of the kingdom. Help us, God, to be a people after your own heart, a people hungry for the word of God, that our swords would be sharp as razors. And that when people heard us speak, they would be cut to the heart. And they would say, what must we do to be saved? Lord God, may your spirit fall fresh on us even more so this morning. In Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. All right, let's get into the word. Today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, we'll move around a little bit. Last week we talked about um, the wash basin, the bronze laver, and uh, if you think about the word laver, a lavatory, you know, where you go to wash your hands and do your business, get cleaned up. We talked about the bronze laver and, and what it signified and what it meant. We talked about being baptized by the Holy Spirit and washed clean by the Word. And I took a little sidetrack last week that, that raised a few questions in some people. And I've talked to them about that. And they've said, Brandon, what does this mean for me in my heart? What does this mean? And, 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 and did I hear you right in saying this and in saying that? And I could just tell and God has led me today to share a few key doctrines with you that absolutely matters to, to the ends of the earth. Today, I want to talk about sanctification a little bit further. I want to hang around the bronze laver just a little bit longer to help you to understand just what it is that Christ has done in you, what he is doing in you, and what he has promised will be done in you. Okay, And what I believe the result of this sermon will be is that if you understand me correctly, if you understand and hear the word of God like it, is, like it should be preached and like God is, is wanting you to hear it, then it should make you more powerful and more consistent in your walk and it should make you re reflect the, the, the Lord Jesus that much more clearly. Okay, does that make sense? That's what we're going to do this morning. That is the goal, is for you to understand just who you are in Jesus Christ. This morning's message is entitled, Done, Done, and Done. Done, Done, and Done. You ever heard that expression before? Somebody get finished or something, you get finished or something, you say, Done, Done, Done. You finished with it. It's done. We want to look at sanctification and the act of sanctification this morning. And the subtitle of this is The Final and Progressive Nature of Sanctification. 
Final and progressive sanctification. So what we're looking at is, and I'm not going to get real fancy on you this morning. I want to just share something with you that really matters. What we're looking at is, is the fact that what Jesus Christ has done in you, he's done it once for all time, but it is at the same time being done as we speak, and it will be done in the end. Okay? That is kind of hard for us sometimes to wrap our head around because we love black and white things. We want to say either God has done it or he's doing it. Either God is or he isn't. But you see, what we need to understand is, is that God is bigger than us and God's ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And we need to consider the Bible when we think about these truths and we say, okay, this is what we know God's word says. Because it doesn't really, at the end of the day, it does not matter what I think God should be like or should not be like. It does not matter what Brandon Poirier, what his opinion on who God should be. That does not matter. And let me tell you right now, if you, are, uh, if you are a good Christian, if you are a smart Christian, if you are a, a good man and a good woman who follows Jesus Christ and cares about the word, then I'll tell you what you do. You go behind me and you read these scriptures that I'm giving you. And you check behind me. Paul said about the Bereans, he said, they were more noble than the rest because they went back and they looked at the word and they tested him. I do not ask you to take what I say as the end all. I am here as a guide and a teacher. And as I do what I do, you go back and you test everything that I say to the word of God because that is my authority and it is your authority. With all of that being said, let's jump right in. We're in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And we're going to move around a little bit, but this is where we're going to stay for the most part. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. I want you to listen to the language. Language really matters. I want you to hear what he's saying that was true. Okay? And he's speaking to believers here. True believers. All right? That's who he's speaking to here. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. You see, this is a description of the former life of the present believer. We following so far? This is a description of the former life. Would you think that that's what this life looks like now if this is the former life? Let's keep going. He says, let's back up a little bit. We're by nature the mind and we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, but God. Huge phrase. That's a big old butt right there. Man, half y'all got that. And my wife's head's down. Y'all ain't even catch it. But God. God's butts are big. Big. You need to pay attention when you see those butts. In the Bible. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. We could end right there and just start preaching. But there's more. But wait, there's more. By grace you have been saved, you hear the language, and raised us up with him and seated, that's past tense, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, 
so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Say, that's God's word right there. Say, that's God's word right there. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the preacher says if he's not giving the word of God. I did not just tell you that. I just read that straight out of this Bible. Now, our task is to get in here and break it down. Let's unpack this because there's so much good stuff right here. I could preach like 19 hours. Say amen if you want me to. All right. Hey, you just gave me permission. Everybody else is like, shut up, Charlie. (laughs) Sorry, I don't know why Charlie came out. Maybe because I knew last week Charlie was hungry for the word because he called me. Or he texted me. He's like, you've got to call me, man. i got some questions. And I'm like, praise the Lord. I called him. We talked for like an hour and a half. An hour, he's like, man, my boss is coming. i got to go. I was like, he'll get over it. Tell him what I'm telling you. All right, so let me get my board. Hold on. I'll be back in a minute. Yeah, you get this up. Oh, flip it around. Do a little dance. Uh. Preach the word. All right. I shouldn't have did that either. Okay. Okay. I want to try to make these truths just as simple as possible because I want you to be able to, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about some big words, but I want you to see how this breakdowns and what this means in your life because if I'm right, if I'm right, and what I'm preaching today, if it's right, and I believe that it is or I would shut my mouth and go home, then you should live in a different way when you leave here today. Even those of you who believe, you should live in such a way that people would look at you and say, I don't understand how you do that. I don't understand. You would stand in awe of what God's doing in your life. How many of you do that today? How many of you look at your own life and you say, God, I don't know why you do it. Why do you keep blessing me like this? Why do you give me power like this? I don't, I don't deserve it. It's things happening in your life and you're seeing transformation. Maybe you're getting the teetotal, you know what beat out of you in the physical, but maybe in the spiritual, you're making leaps and bounds. You're touching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and if you're looking right, if you're looking right, you understand that these are eternal rewards and these are eternal things that you're being blessed with even though the material and the physical are being taken away but you look and you're saying God why are you so good to me you're losing your house but you're saying God why are you so good to me you're losing everything but you're saying God you're so good to me your, your son is sick but you're saying God you're so good to me how can we you see this effectively it effectively reaches across the board because what it does is it reaches to the lowly of the lowlies of the lowlies of the lowlies of the broke busted and disgusted and it gives them hope It gives them hope that what Jesus Christ has done is done. And it reaches up to the richest of the rich. And it keeps them humble. It keeps them humble. Because nobody can say, I've made it. If the apostle Paul looks and he says, I have not yet made it. I don't care how much money you got. You ain't made it. And if the the love of God is not present and active in your life right now, then you shut your mouth and you get on your knees. It's about how God is working in your life right now. Amen? That's good? All right, let's keep on. All right, three Ps, the penalty, I've talked about this before, the power, 
and the presence. What's true about these? Now, this is all talking about sin. The penalty, power, and presence of sin. What's true about this in the life of a believer? Now, if you're an unbeliever in this room, you need to hear me saying what could be true to you if you would only believe in Jesus Christ and receive new birth. If you would be born by the power of the Holy Spirit into a new creation, into a, a, a new realm, into a new reality, that you could partake of some of the amazing truths that I'm telling you today. Let me tell you something right now. If you don't got Jesus, you don't got nothing, and you're a slave to sin. You've got nowhere to go but down, and you've got nothing to look forward to. Let me tell you that right now. And I don't tell you that to scare you, but I tell you that to scare you. Because what you got right here, enjoy it while you got it. Because without Jesus, this is the best you're going to get. But what I tell you is that there's hope for more. There's hope for more. Now, let's break it down like this. Number one, it has been done if it's true. It has been done if it's true. You see, the Bible uses language uh, when it speaks of salvation and sanctification and, and things in this realm of being transformed into Jesus Christ. Could somebody run and get me a, a, a water? Somebody back there, maybe? Joe, Joe's got it. Joe's got it. Thank you. I'm a little dry up here. I'm getting excited. When the Bible speaks of what's happened in your life as a believer, if you have believed in Jesus Christ, if you have believed on his name, there are several things that happen as you believe on the name of Jesus Christ. You see, you don't just believe and, oh, that's good enough and, and I'm good now. You see, there is, a, there, is, there is actual, realistic, and real changes that take place place inside of you the the old you dies that's what this is why this is here today this is somebody gonna get baptized today when you plunge down deep into that water you are dead in Christ you have been crucified with him on the cross this is a real change inside of you how can those who have died to sin still live in sin the Bible says it, they can't it's a rhetorical question you are dead there's a real change that happens inside of you and you die your flesh dies thank you Joe, your flesh dies, and this is a realistic change that happens inside of you. But it doesn't, it doesn't stop there. There is a real-life change that something dies in you, but then something else comes alive in you. And it creates things in you that you did not know were there because they weren't. They were there long ago, but in the Garden of Eden, when that crazy nut woman led the man into sin and he didn't lead her like he should have been leading her we died that day and that sin was transferred and came into our lives and it cut us off from God and if we're cut off from God we have no life that was the truth but when you come into into relationship with Jesus Christ you get a new identity you get a new life you get a new name you get a new power you get a new source you get a new home somebody say amen this is what's true. Listen to the language here in Ephesians chapter 2. Listen to what he says. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. You see, you had another spirit. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. 
And you walked in another spirit. The spirit that is working the sons of disobedience. There was another spirit that was in work in you. That was grooving with you. And that was moving you and speaking to you. It was what you worked out of. It was what motivated you and gave you, gave you the, the desire to go on. But it was an evil spirit. It was an evil motive. It was an evil desire. And there was no life there. But this is not true of you anymore, it says. Listen to what it says. In which you once walked. You see, this language says that you once walked there, but you don't walk there anymore. Do you still walk there, child of God? If you're walking there, then are you a child of God? Because what the Bible tells me is that that was true, but is not anymore. It should not be. You see, it goes on. Listen to what he says. Is that that was once uh, at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived. You see, those who are in Christ Jesus, we all live there. It is true that we are sinners today, but we were captives of sin yesterday. You see, it is true that we have been, uh, we have been set free from death, but we were all there. You see this language, it is a transformation language that we were once here, but we are not there anymore. We are over here. It continues on. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Did you hear what he said? Our nature then was children of wrath. I wish I had... I really do wish I had 19 hours. Because what's wrapped up in these doctrines is amazing. We're looking at justification and then sanctification and then the doctrine of of adoption as as we are continually set free. And I cannot get into all of that today, but I want to show you this because it's helpful for us to put our eyes on. Come on. (laughs) That's funny right there. I don't care who you are. I don't know. What am I supposed to do with it? Okay, I'm done. All right, the language here, the first thing that we're looking at is that it has been done if it's true. Now, I followed every point today with if it's true. Because the big question in our lives is, is that Not does Jesus save, but has he saved you? And the big question came last week about once saved, always saved. Pretty big question. Somebody say, well, how does that work, Brandon? You mean that somebody can can say they believe in Jesus and then 25 years later they ain't even looked back at him and, and they get to go to heaven too? 
Yes, maybe, no, probably. Not my place, but I'll explain that to you today, what I mean by that. I do believe this, is that in the life of a true believer, a truly transformed, born again by the power of the Holy Spirit, dipped in the blood of Christ, baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, that it has been done. 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 Okay? What I do know is that this language right here speaks of a work that was done and a real transformation that took place sometime back there. You hear, the, you hear it all the way through those verses. You were dead uh, in, in the trespass and sins. You once walked. You once lived. You were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, you see, we go on through the scriptures, and there's a ton of scriptures that I can go to, but I can't do that. I want to just take you to one or two, though, to show you by the word of God that this is absolutely true that it has been done for all time listen to 1st Corinthians chapter 6 now this is just Bible okay 1st Corinthians chapter 6 verse 11 says this I'll start in verse 9 or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God do not be deceived Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But listen to this. Now this is the definitive and final work of sanctification, meaning that if you've been saved, it's been done. Says this, and such were some of you, but, there's another big old but, you were washed, that is past tense. You were sanctified, that's past tense. You were justified in past tense in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So what Jesus Christ has done has been done. It is finished. It is done. And this is where we are right here. You see, if you do not know Jesus Christ, then you are living in sin and you are down here in this reality. This is the people of the world, okay? Are you of the world or do you have a new source? Jesus Christ said, if my kingdom was of this world, my men would fight for me, but my kingdom is not of this world. I am not of this world. You are in it, but you are not of the world. When you are saved, you are transferred. Colossians would say, you are transferred from the domain of darkness, which is here. This is the domain of darkness here. You are transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his son. So really, you are transferred to here. But we are not home yet. And I looked at, there's so many parallels that we could use right here. The parallel of home almost fit perfectly. And that's where I think I was going to go. But I just didn't have time. But it is true that this is not our home anymore. This is not our home anymore. Somebody say amen. This is not our home. But here is our home now. And if you believe in Jesus Christ, you have a home in the heavenly places. It doesn't matter what happens here. You have a home in the heavenly places. That's what Jesus Christ said in John chapter 14. He said what? He said, where I go, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. If it were not true, I would not have told you. You think Jesus is a liar? Do you think Jesus is a liar? 
So if you know Jesus Christ and you have come into his family, you see, here's the adoption. You see this right here? Here's the adoption. Salvation happens here. Adoption happens here. Jesus Christ said, you have been adopted into my family. And if you're part of my family, I will never cast you out. You see, daddies on earth are good daddies, right? And if daddies on earth can be good daddies, why in the world would you think your heavenly father wouldn't even be better? You think he's going to cast you out? You think he's going to say be gone? You think he's going to put you to the side? Didn't he say in the book of Joshua that I will never leave you, I will never forsake you? Didn't he tell Joshua, he said, everywhere you put the sole of your foot is yours? Didn't he say that? Do we not believe that our Jesus is powerful enough to secure everything that, we've, that he's promised us? You see, Jesus Christ has already seated you in the heavenly realms. And that's what we see right here. It is done, it is done, and it is done. You've been sanctified. You have been justified in the name of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's this part right here. You have been saved, transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his son, into the kingdom of light. And this is justification right here. Okay, everybody understands that's justification. Your sins, and here's the three Ps. I wrote the three Ps on the other side, but here's the three Ps right here too. Everybody here is under the penalty of sin. They are under the penalty. If you do not get right with God, if you do not get set free from sin and transferred into the, into the, in, into the Christian life, into the new reality, into his family, into the kingdom of light, then you will experience the penalty of sin because it's not been paid for. And everybody understands that justification happens here, that your sins are paid for by the blood on the cross, by the sacrifice that he made, and you now begin a new life, okay? Everybody understands that the debt was paid for on the cross. What I am talking about today is something that's a little distinct from that. I'm not talking about the penalty. We know from the altar that the penalty is paid. You do not have to experience the penalty if you know Jesus Christ. The penalty's gone. You will not spend eternity in hell separated from him because you're a part of the family of God now. But what I'm talking about today is that the power, we're going to write this up this way this time, for a reason. Because the power of sin has been broken. The power of sin has been broken. That's point number two. It is being done if it's true. It is being done if it's true. Now, we also understand that justification has already happened. How many of you are following me right now? Do I need to slow down? Do I need to do anything different? If you've been washed in the blood, you've been justified from your sin. You didn't pay for it, but he paid for it. He came into the courtroom and he said, yes, judge, they are guilty and they deserve the death penalty. I'll take it in their place. I will die so that they can go free. So you are set free from the penalty of sin. It is no more for the believer, for the true believer. And, and you were once for all set free from the power of sin. Okay, you understand the, the difference? The power of sin has been broken in your life. It has been forever broken, but it will continually be overcome. Do you understand this? The power of sin has been broken, but it still has some power in our lives as much as we give it. But it has been broken. It has been broken. Now, 
I could go to a million different places, but I just showed you that, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the power of the Spirit of God. Listen to, listen to, let's go back to Ephesians, that's our main text. I wanna show you this, listen to what Ephesians chapter two says. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated, uh, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you see that doctrine right there? Do you see that? That this power of sin has been broken, the penalty has been completely taken away, and we have been seated in the heavenly places. you see that in here? Does everybody see it? Yes. We have been seated, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So if you have come to know Christ, you are alive to Jesus Christ, the power of sin has been broken in your life, and now you are able, you are able to live the life of righteousness and be like Jesus. You are able. You see, when, before you knew Christ, you were not able. Those who do not live by faith, those who do not have faith, they can't please God. It's not even that they won't, they can't. You understand that's Romans chapter eight. If you don't have faith, you cannot please God. You cannot overcome sin. You can do all you want to, but you cannot overcome sin. Not the penalty, not the power. That's why I told you last week, uh, you know, AA and NA, that's, that's great for acknowledging that you have issues. But I'm gonna tell you right now, this is not a disease that cannot be overcome. Absolutely not. Because my Bible tells me, now we're going to flip over right now to, uh, we're going to go to Romans chapter 6. I'm not sure exactly where my notes say to go, but that's where God's leading. We're going to go to Romans chapter 6 right now. I want you to listen to some verses right here. This is just Bible. Now you pay attention. This is Bible right here, okay? What my Bible tells me, child of God, child of God, listen to me right now. What my Bible tells me, you do not have to give in to that sin anymore. As a matter of fact, if you're a true child of God, you will not give in to that sin anymore. You will fall and you will flounder, but you will get back up and you will move forward or you're not a true child of God. You say, Brandon, you're being awful bold right now. I'm just preaching the word of God. Let me, let me read it to you. I'll just read it to you. What shall we say? This is Romans chapter six. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How many of you know that person? Oh, yeah, I know I got that sin in my life, but Jesus died for me. Hey, you raising big red flags right there because the, the Bible tells me that the one who has truly been born again has died to sin. You don't love that sin. You don't walk in that sin. You don't baby that sin. You don't pamper that sin. You might be struggling with that sin, but you hate that sin, and you can't wait till it dies. You're on your face, and you get away from me, you sin. Because the people down here, they can't see the sin. They can't see it. Because it's the, the domain of darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. That's Bible. But once you're transferred in the kingdom of light, the light of God reveals things in your life that you did not know was there. And you can't stand it. You can't take it. You've got to get it off of you. And you will. That's why this is not a straight line. You will fail and you will. But you'll always go, up. Oh, I'm fighting with sin. And the, the power is continuing. That's why I wrote it up like this. Is that It's been broken, but it will continually diminish as you get closer to the king of kings. Because sin cannot stand in his presence. 
He is the king of glory, and he will have none of it. And that's why I'm telling you right now, you want to overcome sin? You don't fight with sin. You get filled up, slammed full of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit says, what? And sin flees. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Hmm. By no means. How can, listen to this. This is a rhetorical question that, that Paul thinks it's crazy. That he thinks it's crazy that you would continue or I would continue to live in sin if we've been crucified with Christ. It's ludicrous. Listen to what he says. How can we who died to sin still live in it? How can we who died to sin still live in it? If you died to sin, you can't still live in it. If you're living in sin, you need to check whether or not your old man died. Maybe he's alive and well and whispering sweet little lies in your ear. Do you not know? He said, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, listen to this, in order that, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. It is the power of the resurrection from the dead that gives you the power to overcome this old world. You see, it has nothing on you. And it's not because of you. It's because of the power of God and the Holy Spirit that would not allow him to be held in the grave. The same spirit that would not allow him to be held in the grave will not allow you to be held in the grave. And I'm not even talking out there one day. I'm talking about right now. You see, Jesus Christ said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see, right here, the resurrection begins. And right here, it is completed. Into the full adoption of sons. And we're all over Romans chapter 8 right now. If I had time, I'd get into it. But right here, in Romans chapter 8, Paul says... The whole creation groans and it longs as, as, as the sons of God are being revealed and all the glory of God is being revealed in the sons of God. You see, as you come closer to Christ, reality starts to take shape. Do you understand that you are a part of the grand puzzle of making the kingdom of God show up in the world? Uh. The power that is inside of all of us is blowing my mind this week. I never realized. I've been dabbling in sin like an idiot. How many of us have just been idiots? The rest of you are liars. The power of God. You see, the resurrection has already taken effect in your life. You say, Brandon, I can't overcome this sin. Then, then you're not understanding Jesus because that sin's already been overcome. You see what I'm saying? You have been set free from this. Let's continue on in Romans 6. And I know if I start reading a bunch of different scriptures, you get confused. Listen, write down three scriptures, chapters. Write down four. Romans chapter 8. Write them down. I see some people writing. Everybody, if you got a pen, write it down. If don't, cut your finger and write it in blood. Not really, I'm just kidding. Or if you want, it's your choice. Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 10. And you can maybe throw in Titus chapter 3. Romans 8, Romans 6, Hebrews 10, Ephesians 2. Okay, write that down. This is the word of God. Let me tell you something right now. 
These are doctrines and truths and theologies that you, somebody can put them down in a book somewhere in some kind of systematic theology, but I want to tell you something right now. These are truths that God wants to write on your heart and make you so powerful that it will blow your own mind. There's power in the blood. You see, the resurrection begins right here, and you have been raised from the dead into the newness of life. And God is sanctifying you. He has sanctified you, and he is sanctifying you. And so we get to this part in Romans chapter 6 where it says, for if, for if we have been united with him in his death like his, in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a, in a resurrection like his. We know, listen to this, guys. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. You see, the body of sin, there's another place on down in Romans chapter 6. I can't read the whole thing. I'm going to read this part of it. It says here, see, the, the, the idea is this. When you come into a relationship with Christ, the old man dies, okay? The old man dies. So the old man keeps wanting to come back to life, right? Yeah, how many of you watch Walking Dead? Oh, yeah, I know some of you did. How you kill a zombie? You got to keep stabbing it, stabbing it, stabbing it, stabbing it, or you got to stab it in the head. And it's so easy because they're so soft, it's like you could do it with a toothpick. But you got to kill it. But sometimes it wants to come back up to life, so you got to stomp it again. Sometimes it wants to come back and stomp it again. Even though it's dead, you got to stomp it again. So the old man's continually trying to come back on you, and the spirit's continually trying to lie to you and draw you back in. It says that that body of death, listen to what it says, is shriveling up and going away. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. This is why Jesus Christ died on the cross, so that it would free you from this sin. Some of you and, and me sometimes, we walk around as if sin still has dominion over us. We're not living in the truth of the gospel, because if we were living in the truth of the gospel and being empowered by God, we wouldn't live in sin anymore. Everybody says, well, a church is only about making people do what it wants to do. No, 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 maybe some. But I'm going to tell you right now, I understand that if I just make you try to do what I think you need to do, then you're still dead in your trespasses and sins. And you may put on a good show and you may look real pretty, but you stink on the inside. Whitewashed tombs with dead men's bones. Ugh. But if I show you Jesus, if I show you Jesus and he comes in like a rushing wind and I prophesy to the breath and I prophesy to the spirit and Jesus Christ says, here he is, here he is. And the spirit comes in and all of a sudden, See, that's new life. And I don't have to tell you, you better do this or you better do that. You say, how can I serve you, Lord? Come on, where's my other preachers in here? He say, how can I serve you, Lord? I am alive now, and I can see now, and I can hear now, and I can smell now, and I can tell these old dry bones stink. How can I get them out of here, God? And the Holy Spirit comes in and cleans house. You remember that parable? Clean as a whistle. As that old man shrinks away, Paul actually makes a parallel later on in Romans chapter 6. He says, I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just, listen to this, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. So he says, just as, one, as at one time you got into sin and you said, oh yeah, that feels good. 
I want to get a little bit more. And you know as well as I do, when you do a little bit more sin, you need a little bit more sin, and you need a little bit more sin, and you got to keep offering yourself on the altar of that sin. Oh, that's good. You see what I'm saying? And you keep offering yourself on that altar. And it says, just as you, you see, that's the sin, that's the body of sin growing. Growing. Because you're feeding it. You're, you're sacrificing to it. You're building it up. We, we are, if we're born in Christ, we're supposed to see that body of sin start to die away. But we once fed it, and it got bigger and bigger and bigger until we couldn't hardly see past it. But then it says, just as... For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. You see, this is the progressive nature. So it's been done. It's been done. It's been done one time. But we are now commanded all throughout the Bible. Go read, go read 1 John. I mean, go read First John. We are commanded all throughout the Bible, now live this way. Because it has been done, now start doing it. Amen. Who's following? Because it's been done, and it has been done. We've established that. I've laid out scripture after scripture. I could read you a dozen more. We've established that you have been saved. You've been set free from the penalty. You've been set free from the power. Now you are going to continually overcome the power. And you already have your seat. You already have your home. You see, I about, I about called today's sermon, The Great Journey Home. Because we have here no lasting city. We are strangers in this world. You are in the world, but not of the world. You see? Our source is not here. We've been transferred from this domain of darkness into the kingdom of his glorious son. But this is where we are now, children of God. And it says, present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. So just as you presented your members to sin, which made sin grow and grow and grow and grow, now that you've been transferred and you've, you've changed zip codes, so to speak, you are to present your members as slaves to righteousness just like you presented them as slaves to sin. And what led to death will now lead to sanctification. And sanctification is looking more and more and more and more like Jesus. You see, if you look, I have no idea what time it is. But if you look at the wash basin, you know what it was made out of? And this ain't in the notes, but I gotta tell you. You know what the wash basin was made out of? In the Old Testament, because we haven't, we haven't left the Old Testament. It was made out of bronze. I know you know that. But it was actually, if you go and look at uh, Exodus 38, 8, it says that it was actually made from the mirrors of the ministering women. It was made from the mirrors of the ministering women. So what would happen is they would go in and they would get the mirrors of the ministering women. They would tear down the mirrors, which represented vanity and self-reflection. They would tear down the mirrors. They would tear them apart, and they would beat them. And it, it, even, it, it either encases them or it holds glass. But either way, they may have, probably they were polished so brightly that it would reflect. That's how the mirrors worked then. And so they would tear down this vain mirror, and they would create out of it a bronze laver or a wash basin so that the, the, the high priest after he made the sacrifice on the altar he would then go to the wash basin and he would dip and he would cleanse himself and he would reflect and he would look and he would examine himself to see what he needed to clean and as we go through this sanctification we are to examine our hearts Paul says 
Examine yourself to see whether or not you be in the faith, it says in Hebrews. Examine yourself. Test the spirits. Test and see. Test and see. But what we are not to do, don't get me wrong, what we are not to do is look in the mirror at our own selves because if we look at our own selves, we can't see what truly needs to be cleansed. Remember who it was looking into the mirror. You see, it was, the, it was the mirror of the ministering women that was torn down and vanity was torn down. But it was the high priest who looked in and saw the reflection. You see, you must peer into Jesus Christ to see where you need to be improved. Only as we look to Christ, only as we look to him and peer at him and, and gaze at him and stand in awe, shall we see what is absolutely in our lives. And this is the path of the Christian. Now, it must be about that time. I'm just going to keep on going. I don't know. 19 hours is far away. <clears throat> I, got, I got two more things for you. Now, we talked about once saved, always saved, and we said it's done. It's done. Can we know that it's done? Can we know? Can we be sure? And can it be undone? Can it be undone? That's a good question. I got a little bit more. Just, just, one, more, just one more minute. Listen to this. I want to show you that you can know, but that it must be progressing in order to be true. It must be progressing in order to be sure that it's true anyway. You see, we don't secure our salvations by our works, but we know that our salvation is secure because of him who is working in us. Does that make sense? This is what I mean by this. When you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It will be done. And you will be saved and you will be raised in the newness of life and you will get your home in heaven because of all of God's children get their home in heaven. How do we know as we're on this journey if we have our home in heaven? The Bible says very clearly how we are to know. Uh, you can flip with me to 1 John or I'll just read it for you. If you want to know, write this one down. If you want to know how to know that you're saved, 1 John is key. The whole book is written. I'll just read it to you. Listen to 1 John 5, 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Pretty straightforward, right? So how do we know that we have been saved? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I got one more thing after this because how many of you would like to know that it cannot be taken? How many of you would like to know that? That it cannot be taken. Only like four of you? How many of you would like to know and see from the Bible that it cannot be taken and you cannot lose it? Amen. First here, how do we know that we have our home? We know that he said he saved us. We know he said he had a home. How do we know it's true? Okay? Listen to 1 John. I'm just going to read a few verses because this is a very simple truth. A lot of us don't like to hear it because it's a convicting truth, but it's a very simple truth. Listen to 1 John. I'm going to read a few scriptures out of 1 John, and then we'll move on. And by this, listen, this is the most straightforward scripture maybe I've ever known in my entire life. By this, we know that we have come to know him. This is 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. It goes on. 
The one that says that he knows him but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Mm. The truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. And you say, oh, you're trying to tell me, Brandon, I got to be perfect? I'm just, I just read a verse. I just read the Bible. You want to tell me that you're a Christian and you're living like hell? Don't tell that to me. You go talk to God about that. Don't you tell that to me. The only person that can know that they are truly saved is the one who is progressively becoming more like Jesus. Now, does that mean that if you fall, oh, I'm not saved. I'm not saying that. I believe that if you're truly saved, you're saved. But I believe that you should be scared to death if you're not living for Christ right now. Because how can you know? You might, have said a few, you might have been a seed that fell on the dry ground and sprouted for a second but then wasted away in the sun. You might be a seed that fell among the thorns but you got choked out. You might be a seed that fell around the, uh, among the rocky places and didn't make it. You, you, might, you, might have, you might have sprang up real quick and said, oh yeah, Jesus, 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 but you fell away because you really didn't have any roots. You really wasn't born again. You just thought you liked it. Pursue him every minute of every day. Be hungry for the word of God. And if you're not, you get on your face and you beg God to save your soul or you beg God to give you a new heart and a new life and a new motivation so that you would love him and that you would know. It's not, it's not the chance. Why chance it? The only one that can know is the one who is living right now. Can you have fallen away and still be saved? I guess, yeah, sure. We saw David fall away. We saw... Uh, we, we see a bunch of people, you know. I mean, we, we, Jonah on the way to Nineveh, he fell away. I'm not telling you that if you mess up, you're not saved anymore. That's not what I'm telling you. I'm telling you if you want security, if you want to know, if you want assurance that you're not just playing games, then you look at how you're loving God right now. Do I need to do, do the, any more there? Do I need to go there anymore? Is that clear? Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You love the world more than God? Uh, this is 2.28. And now little children abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Uh, 3.5. You know that... Uh, he appeared to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Wow. You watch yourself, children of God. All right, now the last, this is the last thing, and this, we're talking, we've talked here, we've talked here, let's talk here. And this is just, this is just going to be fun, okay? We can go ahead and roll this out if we want to, and y'all can come on out and start playing. How many, of, how many of you love the Bible? Isn't it, good? Isn't it good? We've read a lot of Bible today. These are truths that you should hold on to and should transform your life. Now, you say, Brandon, I, I, I like what you said, but I just struggle with the fact that once saved, always saved. I just think if somebody turns their back on Jesus, you know, and, and, and they, they fall away, though they really did love him, I think that they can lose their salvation. I have to say, I do not believe that. Let me show you why I can't believe that. And I'll just read the Bible. Is that cool? Everybody say, read the Bible, preacher. 
Listen to what he says. This is, this is actually the words of Jesus Christ. Okay? John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And I and the Father are one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I could could stop there, but but wait, there's more. You see, what this verse right here is telling me is, and you guys go ahead and give me a little bit of preaching music if you would, and I I appreciate it. Because this right here, this right here should make you just go, because what Jesus has said is that This is mine. You want to come in? There's another parable that says that that you go in the house and you tie up the strong man. You bind him up. You know, if he's not, listen. What Jesus said is that these children right here, these children right here, this is my little children. And they're part of my house now. And I would just love for you to try to come get them. You see, because they're in my hand. They're in my hand. And no one can open this hand. And what do you do with closed hands? What do you do with closed hands? That's right. You see what this Bible verse is telling me is, what my Jesus is telling me is, you want to come, you want to get my children? You want to come take them from me? Well, you come try. And who's gonna take him? Who's gonna take him? Nobody. Nobody. Because can't nobody throw with this man. Can't nobody throw with the God man. He's got you. And ain't nobody coming in this house. Nobody's going to take you away. He is guarding you. Who better to have guarding you? There's one other verse that I want you to know because some would say, and I know it's getting late, but some would say, amen, preacher. I believe that that nobody could come in from the outside and take you. I believe that. But what if I get scared, like a scared child one day? What if, what if I get worried? What if I get to wondering what's out there and I run out the door one, one day real fast? Don't you think I could lose my salvation myself? What if, I, what if I ran myself? What if I took myself out of it? I got a verse for that. I want you to, I want you to hear this. And this is the ones we're going to end on. As a matter of fact, let's go ahead and stand to our feet. I got a special treat for you right after this. And it was a long day. We're here. We're listening to the Word of God. And I hope you appreciate the Word of God. Because I do. I want you to listen to this. Those of you who are doubting yourselves. I know there are a lot of you right now here who are doubting yourself. I think you believe that Jesus would protect you from an outsider coming in and stealing you away. But I think there's a lot of you doubting yourself right now. I think there's a lot of you who have heard the the sermon that God gave me this week and you said, Brandon, that's amazing, but I haven't been living like that and I don't think that it's in me. I don't think that it's in me. I don't think that the power is there. I think that I've taken myself out. Let me tell you right now, God is strong enough to keep you from you as well. Let me tell you something right here. Listen to what it says. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? I want you to start to pray right now. Those of you who are believers, I want you to start to pray right now. God, speak to me. As a matter of fact, if you're comfortable with it, tell me right now, 
let's, let's, let's tell it to them together. God, speak to me right now. Can you say that? God, speak to me right now. God, speak to me right now. Who would say it out loud with me right now? God, speak to me right now. Let me hear you one more time right now. God, speak to me. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. He will. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us at this very moment, I should add. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written? For your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No! In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Listen to the last verse last two for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord amen and hallelujah you see because what that just told me are you a part of creation? You can't take yourself out of the hand of God. You see, my sons, they may get upset with me. They, get, they may get mad at me and they may try to pull away, but I'm not going to let them go. They'll always be my sons. I want to know how many of you today have been living in defeat. Because Romans chapter 6 tells me that the, the, the sin's dominion has been broken and you have been... You have been set free from its reign. And it is no longer reigning in your mortal bodies. I want to call you this morning to power. I want to call you this morning to give up this life. Give up this world. Give up these things. Give up all of this stuff that is weighing you down. Understand that you've been saved, but you are being saved. Present yourselves to God as living sacrifices every minute of every day and know that He has given you new life knowing that one day we will receive our full adoptions as sons and we will cry out Abba Father the altar is open this morning for any of you who realize that you have not been where you need to be for those of you who realize that you have been playing halfway Christian that you have not tapped into the power of God and the freedom of the Holy Spirit. Who is it out there that's living in despair? Who is it out there that's scared to death of their, of their weaknesses and their flaws and their failures? Don't you know that Christ is enough? Come this morning and bow at the foot of the altar. Bow at the foot of the cross and receive power from on high because our God is a good God and He is faithful. I love you guys. I want to see you set free. Set free. Remember after today, we've got the ministry fair. And we're going to open up the teams in the church and open up the ministries in the church. That you could be used by God in this movement. 
word of God is going forward and the worship is, is taking place and Jesus is being glorified, wouldn't you like to be a part of it? There's opportunities galore out here. And I know it's late, but I can't apologize because I am following the Holy Spirit and He is here today. Take advantage. Listen, you can go home and get your bellies full or you can bow and get your heart full. Come to the altar. Come to Christ.